This is Kung Pao Enter the Minute, Minute 17, Opening Frame. A mid-flashback blurry shot of Master Tang followed by the startling revelation of how he killed the dog. <laughs> After the flashback blurs back to the present, we cut to a close-up of the Chosen One who informs us that he officially knows too much, before randomly asking, And why are you in bed? We cut to Master Tang suddenly in bed, next to him is Ling with an incredibly disheveled wimp low in the foreground. As Master Tang starts to slip back into yet another flashback, Chosen One interrupts him, and Master Tang refrains, much to the Chosen One's relief. Master Tang invites the Chosen One to train at his school as he searches for Master Pain. Wimplo immediately volunteers to do so for some reason, but is then chastised by Master Tang. In your dreams! Before being overcome by yet another coughing attack. No moth in sight this time. As Master Tang suffers from his respiratory attack, Ling starts hammering on his back as the subjects in the foreground kneel before him. Yes, yes. Yes, play me like a drum. Without moving his mouth, Master Tang screams in various degrees of agony as he is lifted out of his bed, leading to another coughing fit and some various disgusting guttural noises. As Master Tang is once again settled down, he informs the Chosen One that his assistant Ling will assist him, letting him know that he shouldn't be concerned about her shyness. After a couple of glances between the two, we land on the closing frame, an extreme close-up of Ling's covered breasts and a hand making a movement across them. Well, uh, my voice sounds a bit different this episode, that's because I'm joined by my guest host of 60 Seconds to Comply, Connor Colson. Hi. And 60 other podcasts. <laughs> and all, yeah, 60 seconds to comply plus the 59 other ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, so you're finally in my territory. I know. You've been on Prometheus by a minute. Now I'm in a very different genre, very different style on Kung Pao. I know. I know. We're a little bit looser here, a little bit more... Freer. I mean, you don't have to do quite as much research because, I mean, shit, that's A, my job, and B, this is Kung Pao! Yeah, I smashed out my notes in an afternoon. It was so <laughs> weird. <laughs> you have notes? I usually have, like, one line. <laughs> I, I can't help myself. I overanalyze everything. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you definitely get a lot of that in the... I'm going to try and mentally get these right. Mm. Prometheus by minutes. Mm-hmm. Covenant by minutes. Mm-hmm. Legacy by minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a Tron one. <laughs> Uprising? Tron Uprising, yeah, which we call animatronic. Animatronic. Um, and you also do Raised by Wolves with Studio Utani. And I've just finished Raised by Wolves because it was the worst thing ever. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so you're definitely going to be a, be a little bit more lighthearted uh, with this uh, <sighs> animal. Yes, it's going to be a welcome relief. So you introduced me to this concept that you being the guest, uh, Mm. I have to ask you a certain question, and that is, uh, how the hell did you find this? I think my parents found this movie and showed it to us, and I was 10 when it came out, so it was 2002, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm trying to remember what what year was released on VHS, but yeah, the the theatre release is 2002. So we've got two younger brothers, Jordan, he's two years younger than me, and then Mm -hmm. Dylan, he's six years younger, so he would have been a wee babby at the time. Yeah. Jordan and I 
we are like a little improv comedy duo. We always were. And uh, so I would do the voices and he would do... He's like, he's like Jim Carrey. He's very good at all the physical stuff. Mm. And so he... Which is not great for a podcast, I guess. Yes. So <laughs> good thing I'm the voice guy. So he would do all the, the physical reenact, reenactment of Kung Pao. And I oh, wow. And like, you may call me... Betty. <laughs> Stuff like that. Well, we haven't got to the evil Betty quite just yet. Yes. But, uh, it's funny, I, I try and keep this somewhat in continuity so I don't talk about the reveals, but at the same time, mm. oh God, it's, evil Betty is just so good. I mean, I kept referring to Alien Covenant while reviewing Prometheus, so, yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> I know, about jumping I know. ahead. I'm, I'm trying not to talk too much about things that happen in the future so I have a chance to talk about them. True. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the other night, John and I were doing a Transformers AU, an alternate <laughs> universe, if you will. We're just doing this little skit, just goofing, where we nice. were wrestlers. So I was Megatron <laughs> and he was Optimus Prime. <laughs> but as wrestlers. Oh, wow. Because my brain immediately went to Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Megatron. So. Because he was a heel, wasn't he, around Macho Man Savage? So he would technically be oh, Megatron, he... but he feels like he's got such Optimus energy. Yeah, well, see, we grew up with more, you know, like, The Rock and all that stuff. So I, we were channeling that. I'm <laughs> WrestleMania, like, back in the 80s. Yeah, we were doing 90s, 2000s wrestlers. Yeah, back when the wrestling had colour. You mm. know, not just, like, black leather and, um, and flesh. Yeah, like freaking the Undertaker and all that shit. With just, it's all black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of got out. I, I, I won't say I grew out of wrestling, but I kind of stopped watching it um, before then. I grew up in the worst period of time for everything. Music was just like <laughs> boy bands and girl bands, and uh, TV was Beast Wars and freaking GI Joe Extreme, and we had the worst of everything. You do grow up in the post nine eleven world, and. Uh... I like to formally apologize, but uh, yeah, that's probably the American Imperials and coming back to bite it on the ass. Mm. Politics, that's, I think I've dra- dragged that up in this. Now we do a lot of politics oh, well, yeah, on that's, uh, yeah, Robocop, Robocop, but um, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of it's kind of ended, it's kind of fun and freeing to just deal with a movie that's just kind of just goofy. I insert politics into everything to the point that if uh, I've, I've talked about this a bit, I am working on an ever-expanding Transformers video essay series. Yeah, and part one just 500. Spent, yeah, I've just spent the past few days trying to figure out what the fuck Megatron actually wants, because the politics are written by adults, but you wouldn't think it reading it. Well, it all goes back to the uh, idea that, you know, cartoons in the 80s, it's just simply... Good versus a lot of it was just simply good versus evil, just to yes. sell a toy. So, oh, it's never explained in G one. They never explain yeah. what he. Had. It's just like I want Cybertron. Well, then no one's there right now. I kind of thought in the first episode he had he controlled Cybertron. That was the whole point of oh, them yeah. leaving. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but then they crash land on. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. We'll save that for the ever expanding Transformers. That's video that's when you yeah. start doing the Transformers by minute podcast, and I come on to start oh, going. One day, I don't one, get it. One day, you and I are going to do a Transformers G one retrospective oh, series. God. That a part of me is just like I'm all down for it. Part of me is just like I'm not sure how I can do that sober. I think that should be one where we don't. We just go in. Abs- well, we watch it, but that's mm. it. We just go in totally blind, just react to it. <laughs> 
We could actually, you know, what we could do? We could do an audio commentary cast. We just watch the episode and just riff it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, quickly, I just want to get back to the um, you know, get experience this first time. Did you have a background in what's watching like uh, martial arts movies before that, or was this kind of like the first thing you'd ever seen and it kind of just went wow? I'd probably seen Jackie Chan movies before okay, that. That's cool. I thought they were pretty cool. Because, yeah, by that time, it started to break out into the US, didn't he? Yeah. Because, uh, like, Rumble in the Bronx was a big hit, and was this before or after Rush Hour? I... The Tuxedo. Oh, that. <laughs> I still haven't seen The Tuxedo. I can't. It's not bad, actually. I watched it the other. Uh, oh, maybe. Actually, no, given how time moves now. Uh, probably like a year ago, yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it uh, yesterday, which in 2020 was about three months ago, yes. Yes. We are in the longest timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's... Uh, it came out the exact same year. This, I, I do like to point out, this isn't, uh, this wasn't a box office hit. You know, it made its money back. That was it. So it was a $10 million budget, made $17 million back. It wasn't even a huge rental for as far as I'm concerned. This is very much a cult movie. Mm. And so it's always interesting to find out uh, where people got their in- inject- infection vector, is the word. Because <laughs> um, the funny thing is, I haven't explained my end. Oh, yes, please do. I kind of covered it a little bit when I was talking to Canada. But uh, when I was in uh, uni, there was this little weird video that was going around called Thumb Wars. And it was uh, Odekirk's uh, little short films he was making where um, it's literally like... Uh, a face being digitally put onto a thumb and the thumb's got like, you know, costumes and stuff like that on it. But, you know, they, they digitally put their face on the thumb and it's just like them fighting, like, you know. I saw those on, there was this company called Atom Films. It was this British company back Never in... Never heard of them. The late 90s, early 2000s, and you'd pay the subscription and you'd oh. get access to all these original short films. Yeah. And so that's where I saw Angry Kid and I saw Oh, Thumb God, Wars. Angry Kid. Yeah, God, traumatizing. Oh, I and, forgot all about Angry Kid. Yeah, taking your way back. And yeah. yeah, I saw all sorts of Star Wars short films. It was Pink Five. And yeah. It was, it, oh, that... I remember, uh, the, I think the first ever Star Wars fan film i ever saw was troops which was the cops oh, yeah, parody yeah <laughs> that was classic yeah so that's that was where i was seeing all these sort of little indie mm. things at the time i don't know why my dad signed up for that but it was a good thing in hindsight ah that's pretty cool because yeah. this is like the years this was literally like uh, just only a couple of years before youtube so mm. video spreading wasn't really a huge thing because like you know the speeds were not great yeah, I, hang on, was Salad Fingers? I think Salad Fingers was around at the time. Yeah, Salad Fingers was... Yeah, definitely around that time, but that was also... This was the Flash era, like, for... Yeah, Kill Frog, oh my god, Kill Frog. I don't recall Kill if Frog, anyone remember, but... It was horrendous, it was it was like trying to be, you know, that drawn-together South Park-style edgy humour. I, uh, I was a big fan of Animutation back in the day, and I still play a few Animutations now and again. Hmm. And, like, uh, you know, Badges, 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 all that oh, type of yeah. stuff was back as then. It's weird how those things were able to go viral, even though there wasn't a YouTube as a central hub to share it all. Yeah, uh, a lot of that was just spread through, oh, God, forums back mm-hmm. in the day. You wow, know? this is taking me back. Yeah, and 
if I, I get very nostalgic for like 2004 because of just like this the explosion of creativity on the internet all things except for music because god damn listening to the radio in 2004 was like pulling teeth mm. if i if i actually reach behind me well, i have to literally drag my chair across but if i reach behind me i actually have i have all the australian release thumb 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 there is a specific term for it thumbinations thumbinations on dvd uh, the only ones I don't have is the God Thumb uh, and the Blair Thumb project. They were never released over here and trying to get them over. I can't believe you own physical copies of this stuff. I own Thumbtanic, which is amazing. Are you worried about the internet being taken out by something? I, or should you be worried? <laughs> most of these were purchased before, you know, streaming things are about. And, you know, I don't trust a lot of streaming uh, companies. Okay, I like owning physical copies of things because then when like a subscription runs out, you can still watch something. Or when like the net's shoddy, like when I moved house and didn't have the internet for three months. Oh my god, I didn't have internet in this house. They didn't even have a phone line. I had to uh, wait. And it was this is it was the new year, so I had to yeah. wait until businesses opened up again. Yeah. Then they could put in a phone line. Um, she was just like my, my, my landlady. She was just using mobile data twenty four seven. Going that would last me about a day. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is when The Witcher had come oh, out. I'm God, so, oh, I need to watch this. I want to watch. Oh God, <laughs> I, I held off on that for the longest time because I, I had that kind of like uh, Henry Cavill. Uh, I mean, he was good in Man from Uncle, but uh, I still had that Schneider shock. No, nah, I love him. He's great. And it was just like, I fi- I put on the first episode. And I was like, oh, I've got to watch the rest of this now. Damn it. Hmm. <laughs> it's so good. And then the timeline gets screwed. And you're like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with this fucking series? Yeah, I've read the books. I've played the game. So I was totally fine. But it is very difficult. To- I think the games are probably the best introduction. But otherwise, yeah, it's impossible to penetrate. I would say not really, because I've tried playing that first game three times. I get no, to the, I've already I told to first... you, I mean the Wild Hunt. <laughs> don't, don't play the first two games, fuck that shit. Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, that's where it's at. Well, I now own a copy of... I got gifted a copy of Witcher 3 by my friend, and I'm there going, yeah, I can't play this because my computer's too crap. Mm. <laughs> uh, which hopefully in a couple of weeks uh, I will have a new computer or at least a new uh, motherboard CPU RAM blah 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 and so yes give me money on Patreon and coffee (laughs) no one's giving any money on Patreon and coffee it's almost like no one listens to this (laughs) ah who cares I'm having fun Uh, (laughs) do what you love so uh, this is the uh, introduction of Ling into the episode although we don't really get a really good look at Ling. Well, we get a very good look at Ling in literally the last frame and uh, subsequent uh, seconds. Yep, she gets a close-up. <laughs> just not the one you're expecting. She gets an extreme close-up. Uh, it's just, we don't get to see her as a character really until like, the next couple of minutes. Mm. Um, but uh, we have talked in the past about our mutual love for Master Tang. Ma- Master Tang is the best character in this movie, quite frankly. Yeah, I think Master Tang is the best character and possibly the worst human in this absolutely in this movie. Yes, because <laughs> he's kind of a creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just as a uh, a teaser, I've got actually something really kind of cool to uh, drop uh, next minute. So I'll, I'll pepper that in now. Yo, yeah, you you pretty much start doing Master Tang at a drop of a hat, don't you? That's one of your voices, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Just, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of a tagline <laughs> right now. Oh. Yes, yes, play me like a drum. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, play me like a drum. Yeah, that's what I think. Next minute, which is just full of his... Oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> In your dreams. Oh. Uh, <laughs> which is like two steps away from my Starscream voice. So it's, you know... <laughs> yeah, so it's, kind of, it's almost like Starscream was a 10-pack-a-day ten, ten smoker, wasn't it? <laughs> Starscream's a little bit of a creep. Um, yeah. But, well, at least he's a bit of a suck-ass. That's, <laughs> that's probably Wimplow as well. I have not mentioned Star Trek, but I've mentioned Transformers. So whatever show I'm on, I'm going to mention inevitably Star Trek or Transformers. So, yeah. you know, we've ticked one off. I don't think I've actually mentioned Star Trek on this show before. I'll correct that. Don't worry. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to uh, bring up about Ling is that... Okay, so we don't get the Wii U's this minute, which is a bit of a sad... No, but they are mm, iconic. She has barely said a word except for, like... Two lines of dialogue in minute um, 12, 13, something mm. like that. I mean, that was, I mean, I recorded that about five years ago in 2020 time, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard to recall these things. No, uh, Ling was played by an actress called C. Ling Ling. Oh, there you go. Very easy to remember her name. Yeah, I'm just not sure if that's just the Odekirk, you know, p- being silly buggers. I'm just actually trying to dig up the. See, I've got the Wikipedia open, but I want, I need, I want to get the uh, Tug and Crane Fist one. Because in the original movie, she she's not called Ling, obviously. And most of these characters, I just can never remember, except for Liu Kang. Which, of course, makes me laugh. It, it's spelled differently to Mortal Kombat, but who cares? But no, um, with Ling, there's actually three actresses who played Now you Ling. got that song stuck in my head. Which one? Mortal Kombat! Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Well, and, yeah, and... That's another book was better connection because I did that particular. <laughs> I'm trying to think what a Kung Pao novelization would look like. <laughs> I'm just I'm just imagining all the sound effects that. Wait, isn't there a novelization? Isn't that what you play clips from? There's the audio book. Oh, okay. So ah, the audio book. I thought I explained this in the first episode, but I'll, I'll definitely go over it again. So there's an audio track on the DVD. Oh, it's from that. I wondered where that came from. It's called the audio book. But it's just a British guy re-saying the dialogue. <laughs> That's it. Oh. <laughs> it's not even uh, audio for the deaf, mm. which I actually think probably could have been a bit better, to be honest. You know, that audio descriptive, yeah. Audio description, uh, be a bit more accessibility, but this was just literally a dummy Easter egg that uh, Odekirk threw on, mm. which is kind of his thing. <laughs> I love it. That's great. It's even better now. Yeah. Earlier we were talking about martial arts and I didn't uh, actually get into it too much. Oh, but shit. Go on. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, I, I was watching these martial arts movies, but I was never really impressed because I just didn't really understand what was involved in that, okay. I guess. And hmm. same thing with, I don't know, CGI or anything. I was never impressed by anything in a movie because I hmm. just, it, there was just this total disconnect of, oh, anything's possible in a movie, <laughs> even though hmm, visual effects weren't that great when I was growing up. But, but isn't that kind kind of the uh, point to movie magic in that sense that they work very hard to hide the strings, Mm. if I want to use a metaphor. I think 
I was very much an animation nerd as a kid. Ah, you know, I grew yeah. up idolizing Bruce Tim, Gendy Tartakovsky, mm. all of that. So that kind of choreography, especially like Samurai Jack and the way mm. those characters move, I was very much attuned to that. Mm. But I wasn't so much paying attention to physical live-action actors until probably The Matrix and then so I was in my early teens. Uh, yeah, because well, everyone, everyone loves The Matrix. Everyone loves The Matrix. And I did... Well, my youngest brother got interested in doing... Uh, oh, I can't remember which form of martial arts it was it was so long it wasn't karate there's a lot of them yeah but like no the mo- it was more of a wrestling one uh what's that one uh, uh, uh oh god yeah my brain's completely Mo- it- muay thai um, no no jiu-jitsu ah, okay and yeah we were doing that and because i was so small i was put in a class of children i went this is humiliating i don't want to yeah. do this and i think it wasn't my fighting style anyway and then later on i was doing uh, wing chung and that was perfect like it's like a, an earthbender style if that here's here's me the animation nerd yeah well the good thing about wing chung is that everyone has fun tonight everyone has exactly. Wing Chun tonight exactly um <laughs> that was fucking dumb I think Avatar The Last Airbender was when I finally really noticed martial arts as a thing in its own right. I mean, as well as incredible animation. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It was um, kind of my bridge between the two worlds. Funny you should say that. My brain was like, how did I get into martial arts? Oh, that's right. A little obscure thing called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for me, it was Avatar. And I've always loved Earthbenders. I love Toph. So Hmm. that very grounded low center of gravity kind of earthbending mm. style that's where i went and i would still be doing that until i got sick i got yeah. fatigue syndrome so, uh, such a shame the mind is willing but the flesh is completely broken <laughs> yes yeah so that's why i just talk a lot and write a lot about nerdy shit yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm just a little fat kid that turned into a big fat man and but i still love the i, I still love the physicality of martial arts and uh yeah it's it's always one of those things where yeah like I think it's funny that um yeah we live in the post matrix world and like the whole wireframe fighting became this huge thing uh definitely through the early 2000s like everyone was mimicking the matrix uh, there is literally a matrix reference in kung pao it was probably the first oh yeah it's probably one of the first parodies of the Matrix that was actually, you know, had CGI and tried to mimic the Matrix to a certain degree. And that particular scene, I still, the, the um, oh, jeez, I can't think of the character's name. The, the character, is it Mushu? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, you still see that fight scene between the Chosen One and uh, the Master Pain's Guardian. Still being spread to this day. By the time this is done, you will be the world's foremost expert on Kung Pao. <laughs> just so you know. Because I am now the world's foremost expert on Prometheus. Like, no one, yep. literally no one knows more about Prometheus than I do. Because I have spent the equivalent of a, uh, uh, well, at least a bachelor's studying Prometheus. Several hours? Uh not several hours, several weeks, several days, several months. I mean, it's a three-year course. I basically gave myself a three-year course on Prometheus. Yeah. Oh god! Some would say that was well spent. Some would say maybe you should have spent it on a better movie. <laughs> you know, I have learned so much, and I believe that I, I, yeah, I've, I've done something of value. Hopefully, uh, no, I, I applaud your efforts, and I would say yes. I think Prometheus is definitely a movie that's worth analysis, even if you don't even fully understand it or even fully like it. It's got, it's got something there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what kind of drawn me to. 
okay, listening, I think we've already discussed this, but okay, it's my podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what draw me to do something like stupid and irrelevant. I always didn't want to ruin a movie experience by getting really deep dive into something I just want, I could just pick apart for endlessly. Okay, we're kind of doing that with Robocop, but I think Robocop has just got, it's just a, such a thematically strong film. Oh, it's a perfect movie. I, I think yeah. after we finish it, I will be able to watch it. I think I could still watch Prometheus, actually, and mm. I'm going to be doing an audio commentary, so that's going to be interesting. I, I, I still think I can watch Robocop, and I still think I can watch Kung Pao after mm. after these projects end. I think that's why I, I thought of Kung Pao. It's just like, it's a movie that's not trying to be anything more than it is. It's just Steve Odekirk having fun. Mm. At the end of the day, it's just... I'm entertaining myself, and I, I think I truly admire that as a filmmaker. I think it's just that thing of, like, I don't care what other people say, and there's a lot of things that don't work in this movie. I've picked out a few of them already, but the idea that he's just like, I'm just going to entertain myself, and, I, I, God, there's just some fucking great gags in this movie. I realize what Ridley Scott does with his movies, to be honest. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Oh, did I just give you that moment of revelation? It's like, oh my God, this is why Ridley is doing all this crazy shit he's been doing for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've just realized, oh, it's just, he's up his own bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he's he's basically making alien f- fan fan fiction, but, you know, technically on a budget. Yeah, it's it's canonical fanfic. Yeah, uh, that kind of was my take coming out of Prometheus, which was just that thing like, this is why, I, I, I can't remember if I talked, we talked about this on premiered this by minute that's where i was like i don't get why people consider him to be the be all and end all authority on alien when he only made the one movie and he's been disconnected from the franchise almost up until making prometheus oh yeah he just basically walks in big dick swinging like i know there's been other movies in the past 30 40 years whatever the fuck but here's the real truth the only truth and the ultimate truth of alien well that's kind of one of the reasons i don't particularly care for prequels Okay, yeah, I get why he would do something like that. I'm not, I'm not disparaging that, but I'm, I just don't get the reaction where people are going, "Oh my God, Ridley's come back, and it's all gonna make sense." Or like, it's the truest of true truths. And it's like, well, no, he he made one movie in a series, and he's, you know what? Yeah, good on him. He wants to come back and and work some more on it. True, true, not for play, play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, if, um... I can't believe I've referenced Drawn Together twice. I have not <laughs> spoken about it in, like, 20 years, but here we are. I I will still occasionally, um, uh, put on an episode of Drawn Together, because it's, it's just such glorious trash. It is. It's so funny and so wrong. <laughs> yeah. Drawn Together would be an interesting episode-by-episode episode analysis, because, uh... Woo! Okay, we'll do that after Transformers. It's such a dated piece of material as well you know it's oh yeah it's so of its time yeah and it 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 perfectly encapsulates it that's the other thing the thing we're drawn together it perfectly encapsulates reality tv in a nutshell Mm. even when it goes extremely fucking bug nutty towards the end of the series Mm. it's probably the first piece of mainstream media that actually accepted internet culture as a proper art form in and of itself with spanky being an actual main character and they actually use internet humor for that character. He's just kind of a SpongeBob parody, too. No, SpongeBob was um, the other character. Oh, who am I thinking? Spanky is the um, pig. Oh, he's the ham, right? So he was like the Kill Frog parody, yeah. Oh god, I'm trying to think of the character's name. Fuck it, I'm look. Now I can actually Google web search. Uh, I'm going to look at character's name because that's that. 
Yeah, Spanky Ham. Spanky right. Ham. So yeah. that was actually probably a direct reference to the evil Three Little Pigs in in Kill Frog, which was this website with all this flash animation back mm. in the day. Yeah, it's been so long so to remember half what these are because you had the Disney Princess in Clara. You have Foxy, which is the Hannah. Foxy Love. I love Foxy Love. Foxy's awesome. You have her, which is the Anna Barbera, Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, yeah. cat. I've actually got the list up here. Captain Hero, who was the Bruce Tim pre. Zack Schneider just fuckery of Superman. Oh no 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 no! That's clearly ho- no. That's Homelander for sure. Homelander. Uh, this I think I don't get. Uh, I don't want to get this on record, but I think this actually came out before The Boys. No, but I'm just saying like he's not a Zack Snyder character. He's definitely if we're referring- no. I- I'm saying this is the pre Zack Snyder fuckery of or the pre Monday fuckery of um of superman where it's like no superman has to be a masochist or superman has to be a narcissist or superman has to be this it's like no that's not superman man wow if superman's really a masochist he's gonna be very disappointed because like who can actually hurt him you know superman has always been categorized as the boy scout and i want to say drawn together is probably the first true kind of complete and utter deconstruction that's been outside of superman i mean there's been some deconstruction in within the series within Superman itself, like uh, Man of Steel. The original Man of Steel was like the reconstruction of the mythos uh, post-Crisis um, of Infinite Earth. And we're moving so far away from the... Uh... Yeah, I know. I'm just like, can I have my segue into the actual episode? So, speaking of things with crass humour, um, so... Oh, so, just just quickly, uh, yes, The Boys actually came out several years out. They came out in 2008... Uh, sorry, 2006, and Drawn Together was 2004. All right. But yes, so I have a theory that I proposed on Prometheus mm-hmm. that butts, buttholes, if you will, but butts in general are inherently funny. That said, don't think that farts always work. I think they must be used in a very, you know, specific context at the right time. You know, it's... it's... This is the only fart gag in this uh, movie, and it's an off-screen mm. fart. And it still, to this day, makes me go, what the fuck was Odeko thinking with the phrase, killed the dog? I mean, obviously, he was looking for something that was small, quippy, and could, like, explain that pain look on... Um, I, can, I can never remember the character's name in the original movie, but it's... Uh, I can never remember the character's name in Kung Pao, but it's, mm. Ling, it's revealed to be Ling's father, and it's... Um... Yes, but I think... This this works. Um, I mean, I'm obviously only seeing the arse end of this scene, so I, I can't study it. In- it's a very funny cut that it's like literally like, I'm sorry, Mr. Tang goes, and then he killed the dog. It's cut to the flashback, wince, fart. <laughs> yeah, so what? why that works is because that facial expression was already <laughs> happening. They're just dubbing over it. So yeah, that's I think dubbing is actually probably the best, easiest way mm to insert the fart because it's yeah. just like w- w- power of god i can put this fart in anywhere that's one of the uh, joys of this particular movie is that because odakirk knew he was redubbing it and he knew he was doing almost all the voices the only voice he didn't uh, dub was that of woe who was um voiced by the actress jennifer tung oh there you go and wait tung <laughs> Yes! Because it's tonguey. It's tonguey I, 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 I am I'm absolutely certain I've got this right. Um, <laughs> it is Jennifer Tung. <laughs> T-U-N-G. Imagine you had that power in real life, though, that <laughs> you can... Uh, not, not the tongue, but 
you uh-huh. at any time could make a disembodied fart sound <laughs> not come from you like you could throw it across the room you can aim it you can aim that fart sound so like at a really quiet meeting other end of the room wow just a humongous fart sound I don't... <laughs> you, you know this is the superpower of the character called the spleen in the movie the mystery man is it played by your favorite paul rubens Paul Rubens, oh my god. Mr. Pee Wee Herman himself, uh, it was post post the controversy. Is that his only power? Did I get that just bang on? <laughs> I... Um, no, I, I, oh god, it's been a long time, so I saw, god damn it, I saw the Mystery Men in, uh, in the cinemas. <laughs> 1999, uh, so I would have been seven. I have yeah, not seen um, I don't recall these full range of powers, but I know he has a somewhat ventriloquistic thing. I think he got cursed with the power after he blamed a fart on a gypsy and the gypsy cursed him that whoever smelt it, he will forever dealt it. Something like that. It's <laughs> fucking, it's not a great film, but it made me laugh. And I, I do genuinely love it. I seem to, I think I loved it as a kid, but I yeah, have not seen it. I've since always then. wanted to do a shoveler uh, costume. Hmm. I dig. I dig well. <laughs> but yeah, fart, fart humor is, is definitely also a cultural thing. Like... Some people just don't like it at all. Like, it's funny because I don't think, like, in even England, like, a lot of toilet humor, farting is almost, like, the, the crasser form of humor. Yeah, so toilet humor is not allowed at all in some societies. Yeah. I mean, you know, not outlawed, but it's just like, yeah. oh, no, we have no tolerance for that. Or there are actually, um, especially some East Asian countries where burping and farting are mm. just kind of bodily functions. It's yeah. not considered gross yeah i don't think it's considered funny actually so yeah it's weird geez it's almost like uh cultures that have a a form of repression in regards to cultural norms it's almost like they don't like it when there's bodily functions and that's funny how that usually ends up being a high source of comedy in like you think back to england you got the uh what you call it vaudeville and vaudeville Mm. is essentially just rambunctious like naughty, lewd burlesque is essentially a refined form of vaudeville, and the vaudeville was also yeah. just used to eviscerate politicians at the time. It was it was satire. It was it could get really nasty, but that was like the only form of power some people had was just being able to laugh. There is actually a real power to humor, and mm. I think that's something. Um, just like my family's always been funny humor has always been such a big part of my family yeah mine too mom always says i'm glad your kids all have a sense of humor i don't know (laughs) if i could have dealt with that if i had a really (laughs) serious kid but i think there is a power to it in terms of just Hmm. endearing yourself to people instantly making a connection you know i think some people i've been so i used to uh, go to whopper west australian Hmm. academy of performing arts i studied costume super competitive like one of the top theater schools but yeah costume courses in the world that is like internationally renowned now especially the amount of like actors that they come out of whopper and then don't do anything until they go to melbourne yes uh we, we really do need a film industry here but yeah yeah everyone in that freaking course was so up their own asses so serious mm. you know they were those reality show contestants who would say <laughs> to the camera i'm not here to make friends i'm here to win and then yeah. there was me just being a goof doing my pinky and the brain voices (laughs) and just like yeah having a good time not bothered by anything and yeah a couple of girls were really pissed off at that just like i don't know as if i wasn't taking this seriously enough or whatever get your stick out of it oh my god they were the worst okay so what do you prefer doing pinky or the brain 
Well, Pinky's a lot easier to jump into, I think. But Brain, you know, it's it's that it's more subtle, and it's about the pronunciation and the delivery. It's about getting that voice right. And getting right death down. I mean, I, it's definitely out of. M Are you pondering what I'm pondering? Well, same thing we do every night, Pinky. Rule the world. But uh, it's definitely not in my vocal range. I think Pinky's a lot easier for me. So I uh, like I Starscream, Pee Wee Herman, Pinky. I do like a Pinky as well. Yeah. Nerf! I still think my favourite uh, Pinky the Brain response is, let me just try and remember. Um, I think so, Brain, but I'm surprised this one grew back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, that's from Animaniacs. I was like, who says they're like, uh, fingerprints? Like, fingerprints? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that was... Oh, God, I love Animaniacs. They've, they've, done a re they've done a new one. Uh, I'm not sure if it's out on them. Yeah. We're going to do another, yeah. Which I haven't even watched the new Looney Tunes, so, yeah. The, uh, it's the one I remember they did a few years ago. Yeah, it was all yeah. right, but it was a little bit too sitcom-y for me. Oh, okay. It's certainly better than the extreme stuff like they tried to do a few years ago. And, oh, there's a great... Oh, God, speaking of 2002 to, like, 2004, there was this um, little animation where it was, like, uh, Buzz Bunny, where it's, like, the extreme! Yep. I uh, See, I grew up in a weird time. Yeah. I really, okay, there was Batman the Animated Series, we had Gargoyle, but what was that? Looney Tunes Extremes. Like, yeah. What? Why everything gotta be extreme? Yeah, the... the well, I think it was just a reverberation from the 90s where everything had to be extreme, and then the 2000s, it was like, we need we need to establish our cultural identity. We'll just do that extreme thing, but more. Yes. Um, and also, the uh, if you want to do a good brain, you've basically got to study Orson Welles. Yes. Because that's literally Morris LaMarche doing Orson Welles. Yes. It was just so good. So, I don't... Have you, oh, no, that's probably too much of a diversion to talk about. That. Talk about somebody else's story about how they became famous for doing a particular role. But yeah, yeah hunt did. down Morris and Lamarch talking about uh, how he became the brain. It's so funny. Oh, yeah, no, I know, like, the the specific butter commercial that he was inspired <laughs> by, even. No, it wasn't It wasn't butter. It was peas, wasn't it? Butter. I'm pretty sure it was butter. But who cares? Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've heard the outtakes of uh, Orson Welles just cracking his shits. It's so much fun. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. Do you really mean that? So I didn't notice until analyzing these minutes. So I've watched the movie probably mm. many times, but actually breaking down the minutes and noticing that, oh yeah, the eyeline's a bit weird. Obviously mm. Tang is looking at uh, Wimplow for yeah. most of this dialogue scene. Well, in this particular scene, the chosen one is 100% um, put in. I have notes on that. That's for next mm. episode. But yeah, for the most part, anytime there's a student in grey, that is Jimmy Wang Yu. Mm. But for this scene, they I think probably because they wanted to have the Fist of Fury gag, Yes. I think that's probably why Steve decided to have him as a separate character on screen. Mm. But yeah, it's... They do the eyelines not too bad. They paid a very close attention to detail trying to get so many things right. Yeah, that's another thing I know is attention to detail, just to their mm. solutions to certain problems. So obviously in this scene, eyeline isn't right. So how do we let the audience know where the chosen one's standing so yeah. the chosen one just looks to his left at one yeah. point yeah. and you get to see his profile and you go oh okay so that's where yeah. it is yeah the spatial awareness especially in this scene because it literally cuts from it does a really dodgy cut from the uh the inside of the crane school to master tang's bedroom <laughs> mm. 
Which is such a Steve Odekirk uh, gag. I have to wonder, with all the technology we have now and, you know, uh, deep fakes and all of that, you know, would they try to digitally change little details like where the the direction of the eyes, where they're mm. gazing, and that sort of stuff. I reckon if you gave uh, Steve Odekirk another $10 million, okay, $10 million is not that much today, but like, if you, I reckon if you gave him another $10 million, he would probably tweak this thing with an inch of his life and you'd never see it again. That's the problem is when you have too much control and too much power exactly. over the thing, it actually doesn't uh, usually make it better. I do firmly believe that in some cases, having a hard deadline is actually not a bad idea. As long as it's not like one of those stupidly ginormous projects that are like, you know, that's going to take you six months afterwards. And there's plenty of movies that they go over budget, they go over time. One of the beautiful things about how Odekirk made this film is that he was there all the time. He was either on character, he was on recording, and because he could just record, he could just edit things in and out. And that's where 90% of this movie is just editing around footage and jokes so they could just chop and change it. He claims in the audio commentary he's got about 4,000 different cuts of this movie. It wouldn't surprise. But I think uh, as we're talking about things that are happening next minute, I think we'll probably leave it here for this episode. And uh... Uh, We'll have to say that Tang screaming as he gets out of bed is the (laughs) most hilarious thing. It's just like top 10 things that (laughs) will always make me laugh. (laughs) Oh, it's just so extreme it's so amazing <laughs> well done screams do work like in uh i think it's the second uh ace ventura where jim carrey takes an arrow to both knees also directed by steve odekirk yeah, really oh ah! Ah! i'm doing the actual oh! visuals and no one can see me but yes <laughs> that's one of my favorite gags uh, or that one, I, you know, I don't love Family Guy, but the one where Peter scrapes his knee, he falls over like, ah. Oh, I think uh, I've seen footage of that. And it yeah. goes on and on and on until it becomes funny again. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, repetition in comedy is, I think it's, it has to be dealt with well. Because sometimes if you just keep going, it's not, or if it, it has to be funny to begin with. And then it gets less funny. And then it becomes funny again. Yeah, there's uh, like Christian Scholl and... I can't remember who her partner was in this particular act, but they had this stage show and they had the thing called Kristen Scholl is a horse, Kristen Scholl is a horse, and they just say that over and over and over again. Yeah. Then you hear the audience. It was actually a podcast that was studying <laughs> comedy, and it because I'm a robot and trying to understand these things. So yeah, it was like Kristen Scholl is a horse, and then you can hear the audience laugh at first, and then it fades off, and then it goes mm. for like another minute, and then the laugh comes back again, and it seems to just be this recurring yeah, psychological I, effect. It's almost that thing where you also have to know when to when to stop. Yeah. Oh, God, now I think about it. It's basically an ebb and flow. Well, if you have a live audience, that really helps, because you know, okay, we've hit the yeah. next crescendo, that's as far as it's going yeah. to go. I mean, we literally had that in the first big fight with the zoom-in effects, like, and it's just that thing where it's just like... Oh my God, my brother and... I just did that all the time, which is... What I love about that is that that was a reference to a movie where it was a drama, but they kept doing these, yeah, just whip pans and, you know, quick uh, zoom in and outs. And Odekirk claims, well, I I believe him, but he he claims he reviewed over a hundred films looking for the right one for Kung Pao. So he absorbed a lot of bad, and probably a lot of good, but a lot of bad... um, 
Asian martial arts cinema trying to find just the one and he does mention that it was pretty much um master pain I think it's um I think he talks about in the commentary for the next minute speaking of audio commentaries and how is that for a fucking segue Steve explains the process of acquiring the movie and their first impressions on gathering the footage so this is probably probably exactly where we were talking about but I really I really sparked to it and then it was like okay does the negative even exist if it exists it's somewhere in Hong Kong is it usable? Can it be unraveled? You know, where has it been kept? So Tom, um, Cran- Tom Caranda and it was first films. Uh, Tom Caranda, producer, our, our producer in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, had contacted Michael Werner, exactly. Uh, Look at who in uh, first Choo-choo. films with Wong Wong Hoi, who uh, owns First Films, who's just a great man. Uh, we great were man. able to get a hold of the negative. Cross our fingers. We got a, a print struck at Photochem. We sat down in the room, looked at the print, and it was like, okay, back to the drawing board. Horrible, horrible shape. Yeah, and it it was literally listening to the guy at Photochem. It was like he was talking about my dying relative. Uh, Barely were able to get uh, this thing uh, digitally transferred um, to where we could revive it. And in the what are they really saying segment, does the Chosen One suddenly think he is a Highlander? You are a man of glory. A lop off your head is an heirloom. And finally, the narrator adding some of his own foley. <laughs> so thank you for joining me on this episode, Connor, and please tell the lovely audience where they can find you and your content and all the bajillion podcasts. Yes, so uh, thanks for having me, and you can find me on TravianDesigns.com, T-R-A-V-A-A-N. I'm fairly certain that is the... I've said that phrase so many times that I'm going to hear it before <laughs> I die in my head, and... The uh, last words. It wasn't... It's not Rosebud, it's Travian T-R-A-V. <laughs> you don't even finish the designs. You just... Uh, it's in the castle of... Arg. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, well... So Go to Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Yeah, that's the other one. Uh, so that's patreon.com slash drive designs. So yeah, that's where all my things are. The funny thing is I'm, I've been doing so many serious uh, outros for Robocop. I usually do a joke one here, but yeah, go give me money. I need I need a new computer. I have Ko-Fi, I have Patreon. But, you know, just search for Fanboy Crossing and Kung Pao into the minute. I mean, you found this, you're listening to it, so clearly you're doing something right. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully you'll all stick around, and hopefully you'll stick around, Connor, because we've got a couple more minutes to go up. I'm excited. We do. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I'll see you next week. Bye.